You're listening to Flipping the Channel, conversations with experts and executives from the electronics industry. In each episode, we attempt to understand and unravel some of the business and technical challenges brought on by component obsolescence. Here's your host, Bill Bradford, president of Flip Electronics. Welcome to part two of our episode with David Loftus, president and CEO of the Electronic Component Industry Association. In part one, David shared his thoughts on the state of the electronic component industry and implications for the supply chain. In the second part of this interview, we will discuss the impact of component obsolescence on the supply chain. Let me shift gears a little bit and talk about product obsolescence in, in our industry. And uh, the IHS market you know, research firm tracks end of life notifications, EOLs, as well as process change notifications. And they've been seeing a trend year on year of increasing number of EOLs in announcements in our industry. And yep. just like to get your take on what you think is the driver behind that. Well, so there, there are several. I mean, first off, uh, there are a lot of of um, challenges of a maturing industry. Uh, many uh, bleeding edge technologies, processors and memory and so forth, they, they utilize Moore's law and they jump to the next node and they, they, everyone knows that, that their previous generations are either you know maybe two generations old are gonna get obsolete and they need to move. Uh, but now you're getting to the point where like broadline analog guys have had things in production for 30 years. And it's a wonderful annuity in many ways for those companies and the fact that uh, a lot of their customers have a, maybe a, their standard power supply design that they adopted, that they've wrung out all the bugs and they want to continue to use those same parts over and over and over again from one generation to the next. And and part of it is just a, 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 an issue in that some of the manufacturing equipment breaks down over time. It, uh, it it's not made anymore. That the equipment is obsolete, and a lot of there there are guys that are still running four and six inch wafers, uh, and and you just can't buy that equipment anymore. So when it goes down, it's it's unfortunate. But sometimes companies have no choice. Secondly, is just with. Uh, so much focus over the last uh, 10 to 20 years on really um, moving toward a, a, a free cash flow model versus uh, just a, a straight income model. Uh, a lot of um, CFOs and, and, and boards are looking at, 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 at CapEx and they're looking at, uh, at, at how they have these um, very old, um, fully depreciated lines, and whether they're uh, whether it's worth the, the investment to continue keeping those lines running, and so it it does increase cost over time. I mean, you initially when a, when a product is released, it's, uh, it's it doesn't have the yield, it doesn't have the production economies of scale, and. Uh, once it gets into higher volume production, that's that's really where where suppliers start making some money. But when when volumes start to dwindle, it's uh, very expensive to try to keep outdated equipment calibrated, to keep it working, and uh, to be able to continue to 
secure raw materials that, that for uh, old package types and and things like that that the that the rest of the industry has moved on. And so sometimes there, it, it's a, a compelling need just from a financial perspective to be able to shut down product lines. Uh, the 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 other major dynamic that has been happening though over the past decade or so is because the especially the semiconductor market has been uh, maturing is the amount of consolidation that's been happening in our industry. And so when industries consolidate, uh, a lot of times these companies have overlapping product portfolios uh, and uh, the executive teams are faced with the um, the challenge, you know, do we keep both both sets of fabs running? Do we keep uh, these du- duplicated um, uh, product lines going that we that we have to uh, support? And a lot of times, a a product line rationalization process is necessary to be able to prune the product portfolio of those uh, product lines that are less profitable they're 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 nearing end of life anyway and uh and and that end of life process is accelerated when an acquisition happens because uh it's just it, it's more distraction to be able to try to keep these duplicate lines uh running and so you're you're seeing that that quite a bit these days so what about the impact on customers? How, what are some of the challenges the market uh, is faced with in light of this increasing number of end of lives? Yeah, of course, customers absolutely hate PCNs. If they if they make changes to it, they hate PDNs even more. Uh, pro- so the process change notice versus product discontinuance notice. I think that most suppliers are, you know, try to keep their their customers' interests in mind. Uh, they don't just arbitrarily slash product lines, uh, but y- you know they th- electronic components manufacturers are businessmen just like they're, they're customers, and they have to make um, certain decisions that may not be completely popular with their end customers, and those end customers uh, unfortunately are sometimes faced with really difficult challenges. Number one is uh, they may need to do redesigns and they may be doing a redesign of a 10, 15 year old product where they don't have all the original uh, design documentation or the original design engineers may have left the company or moved on to other roles within the company. And so trying to re-engineer older products is a real challenge and and a tremendous cost. It's not only cost of the direct time, but then it's opportunity cost because you have R&D resources that are tied up just trying to maintain legacy products rather than designing the new latest, greatest product that's going to be drive drive future revenues and competitive position for those companies. So that's really uh, a challenge. And so the other options for companies is sometimes, uh, and hopefully most times, manufacturers are giving horizon reports and some type of heads up to the procurement uh, arms of, of the customers so that uh, they know at least 12 months in advance uh, 
when something is going to become obsolete and they get the opportunity to then try to estimate how much life they've got left in those products and how much demand they would need and to be able to place last time buy orders such that um, they can put product on the shelf and have that product available. Then obviously there's risk there. Number one, there's risk in the fact that they don't buy enough and they end up having to do that re-engineering anyway, or they end up having to obsolete their own products. Uh, the other uh, danger is that they buy too much. And then there's obviously excess and obsolete write-offs that they have to do on, on obsolete, uh, obsolete inventory. So there, there are risks in that. Uh, even if, even with, with perfect um, notification, uh, a lot of times there is going to be some type of expense or opportunity cost in trying to help manage that end of life situation. Yeah, and then when customers run out of options, you know, if they can't get that redesign done, can't find any more parts post the last time by, you know, uh, at times out of desperation, they'll go to the gray market. What what are some of the concerns or uh, risks? Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, that does happen sometimes. Um, sometimes they uh, do not plan correctly and they're faced with a really tough situation. And uh, there are uh, quite a number of let's say, illegitimate sources of product out there, but it is really dangerous. It's really playing Russian roulette with your business. Uh, most companies, most, most good uh, customers of electronic uh, components pride themselves just like the electronic component manufacturers of highest quality and reliability on their products and a, uh, a, a quality hiccup can cause sometimes irreparable damage to your brand. Uh, but sometimes out of desperation, you may get a uh, purchasing group that uh, scans the internet, that uh, is in contact with brokers and gray market entities that uh, deal in either um, gray market excess product that uh, has come back from other customers Sometimes it is reclaimed product where, you know, you can think of, uh, of, a, of a sweatshop in Asia where people are, are actually removing uh, active components from old PC boards uh, to be able to salvage, try to salvage the expensive components on there. And then they will try to resell those on the gray market. Uh, and, and the worst case, well, well I'll say that, that's a pretty bad case in itself, but an, a, another really bad case is just true counterfeiting. And it's just amazing how, uh, how much counterfeit uh, product is on the street. Uh, estimates are anywhere between 40 and $75 billion of counterfeit products are, um, uh, are in circulation every year and it's so dangerous it's, it's it's a little bit hard to try to um to uh say clone an intel i9 processor but it's very easy to be able to put out say an op amp or some other simple function that um it, you know you can do a design and you can 
you can get it sort of close to the original product and the the, the counterfeiters that sell that. And uh, it may be a quality and reliability issue. It may be a performance issue that's not caught initially until you get product into your end customer's hands. And then you start having field failures. And that's the worst of all worlds, whether it's reclaim, whether it's counterfeit, whether it's uh, just product that was excess inventory for a contract manufacturer that, uh, that, 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 you know, the, the bags were broken and the moisture level uh, was, uh, was um, exceeded. And these products uh, are, are unreliable and you start having field failures and, and you have the direct expense of the returns and the rework. But in the worst case, you have product failures of, of epic proportions. Uh, and there have been issues of counterfeits failing in military aircraft, in braking systems for trains, it's, and, and fatalities have occurred because of this. And just imagine the damage to the brand when there uh, become well-publicized lawsuits of the, of, because someone took the easy route to be able to buy uh, counterfeit or, or illegitimate products that, uh, that, 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 that really sacrificed the reliability of the product and, and, and destroyed the brand of the, the company that, uh, that they work for. Yeah, it's definitely serious business. I know uh, the ERAI tracks uh, reported suspect counterfeit parts uh, in, uh, of electronic components. We've done some data analysis to show pretty strong correlation among the number of counterfeits of EOL parts versus non-EOL parts, which when you think of it intuitively makes a lot of sense, right? The parts that are no longer in the market are going to be at a highest risk for desperate customers and opportunistic uh, folks in the supply chain that try to take advantage of that. Uh, I know the ECIA, through your Global Industry Practices uh, Committee, is starting to look into process change notifications and some things. What, what else do you think, either as part of that effort or other industry efforts, uh, we can do to sort of improve the situation for, for EOLs and reducing reducing the risk when they happen? Yeah, uh, so ECIA is definitely taking this on as a, as a major industry challenge this year. And a lot of it is going to be around just uh, really trying to document best practices uh, and uh, uh, around giving notice to customers and how that notice goes not only direct uh, and, and what resources are available to customers on a proactive basis if they want to subscribe to a uh, supplier's website, but also how those notices flow down through the channel uh, and, and the channel notifying uh, their end customers and making sure that certainly customers have as much advance warning as possible and the opportunity to be able to place last time buys uh, if they need it. But also we're, we're looking at uh, people that, uh, that, that potential partners out there for customers that utilize um, artificial intelligence type tools that are able to go out and scan uh, thousands of suppliers uh, databases on PCNs, compare that back against uh, the, a, a customer's current running bill of materials for all their products and to be able to raise red flags when they, uh, when, when they see a notice that has not really gone, um, uh, that, that has been really been recognized by, this, uh, by the manufacturer. And so it's, 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 we think that there's a lot of opportunity to bring 
just a recognition, I think, across the industry and, and, and all the customers of electronic components about what tools are available out there, what are the best practices, and try to impress best practices uh, within uh, all of our, our member companies and others in, in the industry. You know, the, the biggest recommendation I could give to component uh, customers of, of electronic components is just, boy, keep the lines of communication open with your suppliers, with your with 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 the actual manufacturers, with your channel partners. Um, make sure that you are are keeping on top of PCNs, PCNs as much as possible, and being as proactive as possible in trying to address those those problems before it's too late. Um, you know, once a last time buy is committed and a, a manufacturer is, um, uh, is through with those last builds, a lot of times they're taking equipment off the line. They're, um, in, in some cases, uh, maybe some inventory gets into the, 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 the channel, some excess inventory, but it's, uh, it, it's really a, 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 a uh, bad news for suppliers if they find out late or they don't take proper uh, action within their teams to be able to, um, to, to, to ensure that there's, there's inventory or some type of contingency and plan to be able to handle the, the PCNs and PDNs that, that are naturally going to occur in our industry. Very good. Well, David, this has uh, been just a very interesting conversation, a lot of thoughtful insights. I appreciate you sharing. Um, certainly like to emphasize again, EDS is coming back in August. So, um, you know, we, we look forward to seeing you out there. I know you have uh, your podcast, the channel channel. So we encourage our listeners to check that out. Another, uh, forum for, for great discussion around the supply chain for components. Uh, you mentioned trusted parts as the inventory search engine. What, what else can we, uh, mention for people to learn more about ECIA? Well, I certainly invite anyone to hit our site, ECIANow.org. Um, we invite anyone that's uh, any prospective members of ECIA to be able to take advantage, uh, to, to take part in some of our meetings. We hold, um, hold council meetings and committee meetings for really every four to six weeks. That And it's a fantastic opportunity to be able to uh, interact with your peers, to be able to influence uh, best practices in the industry and really um, uh, to, to be able to gather intelligence to be able to better run your business. So I uh, highly encourage anyone that's uh, in, in interested. Uh, we also have, again, the, um, the Trusted Parts um, site that uh, we have actually an API that can be integrated into your procurement system. So allows you, you you to be able to you know plug in a bill of materials and it'll pop back with uh, availability and pricing across multiple suppliers many times uh, and you'll be guaranteed that it's 100% authorized so you know it's not just a manual effort and going out to our website you can actually use uh, some automated tools to be able to integrate in with your own uh, procurement supply chain tools so so strongly um, yeah, I highly recommend that to to anyone that's interested. Great. Okay, well, thanks for being on the show and thanks to our listeners uh, for tuning in to this episode. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Flipping the Channel. 
This podcast is brought to you by Flip Electronics, where we're making obsolescence obsolete. Visit www.flipelectronics.com for your authorized, hard-to-find, end-of-life electronic component requirements.